You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 28, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with physician and documentary filmmaker Delaney Rustin, whose film Screenagers explores the relationship of young people to technology and how parents and educators can make that relationship more healthy and productive. Dr. Rustin's films have been screened internationally, and she has won awards including Harvard's McLean National Council Recognition Award and New York's Fountain House Advocacy Award. We're extremely pleased to welcome Dr. Delaney Rustin to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. One of the things you'll hear me talk with Dr. Delaney Rustin about in the upcoming interview is using technology use policies or contracts with your kids at home or at school, which set guidelines or rules or boundaries about how and when uh, they'll use their smartphones and other devices. And as Dr. Rustin says, uh, sometimes these don't work or they're too rigid or you need to experiment with them. And she gives some really great suggestions for how to work out something that will work. Uh, one additional suggestion I'd like to provide here is if you're hesitant about doing this, you know, setting a home internet use policy with your family is try creating one for yourself. Think about how you would like to use your smartphone and how you don't want to use it. When, what hours of the day, maybe for how long are there limits on where you want to use it. Think about what would work for you and write it down and then try to enforce it on yourself <laughs> and try to include both positive and negative, not just restrictions, not just see it as something that limits what you can do, but what kinds of things are permissible for you to do, including things that are fun or educational. And use this as an experiment. You might want to do it with your husband or wife or some other family member. See what it's like to either enforce it on each other. You might want to think of it as being supportive of each other and sticking to the policy. And this kind of experiment could help you both figure out what works and see what kind of glitches you might experience. Really do some beta testing on this before you try using it with your kids. And it might just also ease any anxiety you might have about how it might work because you'll get to do a test run beforehand. I hope you find that tip for technology use policies, or if you want to think about it as a contract, to be useful. And now I hope you enjoy my interview with Dr. Delaney Rustin, the filmmaker behind Screenagers. Hi, Delaney, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Oh, it's exciting to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's really great to have you. Of course, I'll really want to talk about your film Screenagers, which has been around for a few years now, I think, and still being screened very, very widely about uh, the digital lives of teenagers and young people. And I know that you created the film from your perspective, both as a practicing physician and as a mother. And I'm wondering if you could talk about what motivated you to produce the film from both of those perspectives. Oh, absolutely. I was absolutely struggling with a 
daughter who wanted more and more social media and my son who wanted more video games. And, you know, when either of them were on a laptop and I'd come by, they'd, you know, switch tabs. And it was interesting. It was just so much stress now in the house about this. And I didn't know how many rules or how to enforce rules. And my husband was of the mindset, oh, they just need to learn on their own. And I started thinking about, this was about, um, gosh, about five years ago. And I started thinking as a doctor looking around, you know, what is the impact of all of this screen time in terms of attention, uh, communication, um, mental health wise within, within families. So from, from that regard, I started interviewing, uh, preteens and teens, their experiences, um, on, on devices and with technology at the same time, hearing from parents that they like me were really struggling to find balance. So I, kind of launched in to what ended up being a, a three-year journey of making the film. And it's been out now for two years and a couple months. And like you said, it's, it continues to bring people out into theaters and in communities and schools, um, which to me was really the goal. I really wanted this to be a vehicle to bring together kids Parents, teachers, administrators, policymakers to get together to have these discussions about how are we going to help kids to find balance and find uh, technology use in a meaningful way in in all settings that kids are in. So you mentioned trying to help people find balance. I wonder if you can talk about that a little bit. Uh, and particularly the role that parents and teachers and other adults can play in helping kids find balance. I know, and I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, that in the early days, back in the 90s, it seemed that many adults, including educators, were looking to young people to learn about how to be digitally and and letting young people guide adults in a way. And I think part of what I hear you saying through screenagers is, you know, we as adults need to take a step back and be able to uh, not just accept the way young people use technology as the right way or the best way. The fact that they're drawn to use it in certain ways doesn't necessarily mean that's the healthiest way for them. Uh, and I know you point to ways in which even uh, young people themselves often understand that the way they're using it is imbalanced. So, you know, what, what could you say about both maybe uh, scientific research uh, that's shown uh, harmful effects of overuse or imbalanced use and any of the practical kinds of strategies you've come up with that you found are, are helpful to help young people live in a more balanced way with their technology? Yeah. And, and let me step back to say that, you know, balance is a, a really difficult word, as we know, as well as concepts like reach their full potential. And mm -hmm. um, and the, the real thing to me is, is to preventing excessive screen time. And again, that that's a hard concept. But I think that the focus on ensuring that kids have a wide uh, array of other 
um, activities and focuses in their life is what we all really want for kids. You know, I have yet to meet people who are like, oh, I really love that my kid is glued to a screen for seven hours a day. (laughs) So from that perspective, um, we we have to recognize that we understand that we're talking about excessive screen time, balance being the idea that how do we ensure that they have all of these other activities. And And I say that because I don't see screen time as this, you know, ruining a generation. I'm much more concerned about the things that are being replaced. So let me give one example. It's when they um, do a survey of kids age eight to 18, big picture, what are they doing on screens? Well, it turns out, not surprising, the number one thing, 40% of the time, is basically passive. So they're watching uh, shows and maybe looking at YouTube videos. The next thing is communication, you know, social media and whatnot. And that's tied at 30% with interactive. So video games and some browsing of the internet. Only 3% of the time is allotted to content creation. So only 3% of the time are they doing things that would be like uh, garage band, creating music, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. making a, um, a video, uh, writing things, making some sort of uh, animated project, for example. To me, that's, that's heartbreaking. To me, a balanced life for anyone, but particularly young people, is nurturing that creative side to them. Uh, there's, there's no question that creativity is the hardest thing that we do from a self-efficacy point. I, I say this personally as a physician, it's, it's much more challenging for me actually at this point in my life to make films than it is to be in the science and communication realm as a physician. The creating of things means that we have to make uh, so many decisions that for many of us, that's really stressful and and inhibiting, uh, including myself at times, as well as to put ourselves out there in a really vulnerable way. Many people choose not to do that, in fact, but that comes at a price. I think it's our truest self when we're creating things, ideas or messages or art to bring out to the world. And children become a critical age. They say that there's an artistic slump that starts naturally in around um, uh, 9, 10, because they start to see that their drawing isn't, let's say, compared to Jimmy's drawing. So there's this Mm -hmm. kind of comparison that happens. Particularly, I find around age, you know, 11, 12 and whatnot, that becomes so intense, that external audience, that a lot of kids stop naturally doing artistic endeavors. And I want to make sure we're in a society that absolutely um, um, promotes that. So that's an example of something where I want to ensure that we're having balance with our kids so that we're ensuring that they're doing creative things online is fine too, as well as offline. It's interesting because you talked about uh, excessive screen time, but this issue of kids spending whatever 
large percentage of whatever time they're spending online doing things that don't involve exercising their creative capacities are pointing to a separate problem than just the amount of time. It's how are they using the time uh, that they're online? And I wonder if you could, you know, let us know what kinds of strategies have you or other parents Mm -hmm. or schools found to try to help kids steer more towards using the creative faculties, knowing that just telling them to do it is not always Mm -hmm. the most (laughs) successful way. First and foremost, I, I say up front to everyone, I say the most important things we do in life are the hardest things. I fully believe that, right? The the relationships that we really push through and really have hard conversations uh, and really vulnerable become our most endearing friendships. The projects that we take on that have all sorts of obstacles, but we really want to make the play work at school or we really want to get a book out in the world or write some really meaningful letters, they, they take work. But the reality is, our brains also want the quick fix. I, I see this all the time in medicine. I, I work um, for years in, in both um, high uh, economic settings in um, universities where I've been faculty, uh, medical centers, but also for over a decade in low-income, impoverished environments where I see a high percentage of people with addiction. And they unfortunately often picked the, um, because of they were doing the best they can, believe me, but they ended up picking a quick fix, whether that was a, a sip of alcohol to relieve um, stress or be entertained or um, some other type of activity or, or drug that led to a more devastating path. So with kids and the human nature is that they're going to pick things that are the easiest up front but can ultimately have a more negative effect down the road. So, for example, gosh, I, I can only imagine as a teenager the, the draw of video games. Not only are you getting to have competency um, in terms of, you know, leveling up, you're with uh, a social feeling with multiple people, and it relieves tension. It gives brings your pleasure center to an adrenaline and dopamine rich kind of zone. And so your question is, okay, given that Delaney, what are parents doing to try to inspire more creativity time? um, For example, online and off, how do you ensure that they're um, not having excessive screen time? Um, As is shown in screenagers, I was got my daughter a uh, smartphone that she really wanted. And I was terrified. And I tell her all the things that I'm really worried about with the device and how this (laughs) is going to ruin her communication and her focus. And then I write a contract and, and that doesn't go well. And ultimately, as the film progresses and I learn the science and I meet with other families and hear other stories, uh, I, I get to a place that is much more effective. And let me say three big take homes messages I would say from that. I'd say first and foremost to start conversations with our kids around technology from a place of positivity. When we talk to them about all of our fears, we activate the fear center in their brain, the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And that right away sets up a defensiveness. The other thing is that when we 
tell them that they're kind of bad for using this much screen time, which is the messages that they're getting from adults, we're inadvertently shaming them. It's unwarranted, but, you know, they're feeling, oh, is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the perfect recipe, again, for defensiveness. The body does not, the brain does not want to feel bad about itself, and it immediately goes to defensiveness. So because of those two reasons, we're really doing a disservice when we try the scare technique and all these other kind of ways that we're often dealing with this issue with our kids. So ultimately, um, starting from that place of positivity, the second thing is to put in place um, a system by which you are having short, say, weekly conversations with your kids about how to use screen time effectively and not excessively. And the reason I say it's so important to put a system in place is that Anytime we get motivated to say, okay, I really do want to have mindful kids on this topic mm -hmm. and I want to mm -hmm. have conversations with them, we get motivated, we start a new activity and we start, usually we'll have one or two conversations and then boom, then it's over because, you know, we're, we're on to the next thing. Right. We're asking how their day was, you know, et cetera. And that, for that reason, I created something called Tech Talk Tuesday which has been now over two years, and it's a weekly blog that goes out to thousands of, of parents to have a conversation starter with their kids or students if they, they use them in school. And what's great about it is it's starting from a positive place and then picking a topic. For example, this week it was technology in schools. You know, what are the kids seeing that's use that's creative? What are they seeing that's just annoying? What do they see that's really effective? Um, again, the whole goal being mindful kids. Mm -hmm. The third thing is to recognize that limits around technology, clear rules are the key to preventing excessive screen time, even though it's challenging. And I would say that to me, it's really heartening that I've seen in this journey, how tricky this is for parents. And I think part of it is some of them believe that kids just need to learn it for themselves. That was my uh, mm -hmm. husband's take on it before uh, originally, although he, he changed along the way. Um, other people believe, you know what, it's, it's out of the bag. There's nothing I can do. Um, but the reality is that we can have clear limits and it can be incredibly beneficial on many fronts. So one issue is kids learning their self-control. Mm -hmm. It turns out when we have a rule, such as, for example, we have one, no cell phones in the car when we're together and driving, other than for directions, they're having to actually implement self-control. Even though it, it wasn't self-created, that particular yes. limit, Yes. Um, it, they're actually utilizing their prefrontal cortex and they're strengthening the wiring that's about, oh, okay, I'm sitting down, but oh, I don't have to pull out my phone. They're firing together, wiring together. They're making stronger connections. So I think these kind of messages are very important for us to understand of why we're doing the hard work for having limits. Now, clearly, in the car, there's another amazing example, which is safety. We don't want mm -hmm. to be giving a message to our, our kids and teens that it's fine to be constantly checking the phone. 
And third, it's one of the only times that we get with our kids, which is completely focused on conversations and tends to have some really great conversations as we um, finesse that. So those are three major uh, take-home points. That's really great. Uh, Thanks so much. I think from a mindfulness perspective, I hear you saying this is a chance for kids to actually engage in the practice of, of exercising these skills. And it's the practice that develops new habits for them. And, um, yeah, that, that's great. Um, and it's interesting that you, you said for you, at least, uh, the, a contract didn't necessarily work. Uh, but, but rules do, have you found other kinds of rules or policies or contracts that maybe even if the kids aren't agreeing to them that are still helpful nonetheless. And that could be whether in the home or the school context. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would say that contracts still do work. You know, people call it a family media plan or a family screen time plan. You can call it contract. Um, the key thing that I got much better at after mm-hmm. I failed was really getting more skillful in involving my teenagers in, in creating these um, guidelines, these limits. So for example, maybe it's when do phones get put away for the night? So mm-hmm. I might want it to be at eight o'clock and my kids might want it to be at, at 9.30 and we, we compromise at nine. And actually Tessa is in 10th grade now. She's always given it to me, her cell phone at nine at night. And recently she wanted to um, go up till 10 which felt like a big jump to me, but she's doing a good job of when she's studying, putting it in the other room. And I I felt like um, what we negotiated, as I said, I still want the phone and your computer to be out of your room. And, and she said, great, I will do that. And so that would be an example of, okay, we've clarified when the devices are going away and also where the devices are. The reason I I'm not a big fan of devices in the bedroom is I filmed over the three years, far too many families where they're not seeing each other at all. Mm-hmm. And for me, growing up um, as an only child with my mom, who was, you know, often working, I um, I really value family. I see it from such a, a, an incredible opportunity for good uh, communication and, and warmth. And when I would hear from teenagers how the only time they talk to their sister is when they knock on the door and say, when are you going to get out of the bathroom? Mm. And then just see them, you know, off in their corners in their room on their devices. It's heartbreaking at times. It is, yeah. And I should tell people that if they, you have a whole bunch of resources on the website for the film. So this is more than just a film to watch. Uh, You have, people can sign up for Tech Talk Tuesdays. They can see all of the previous Tech Talk Tuesday topics and when you talk about things like screen time contracts, I was really impressed with the resources. I mean, I'm looking Thank at you. the list yeah. of resources I, now. Know, There's I, policies I, um, and contracts and apps and all kinds of things there that people can really make use of. Exactly. Absolutely. And um, to me, that I, when I started documentary filmmaking, it was all for social change films, things that I thought were really important topics that weren't being addressed enough. And from day one in filmmaking, I always saw it saw this as, a, as a, a, an ability to create a bigger 
um, resources, bigger movement than just the film. So I've had a lot of practice creating a lot of resources. And I feel really happy that my um, film partner, Lisa Tab and I spend an inordinate amount of time building out those resources. So thank you for, for mentioning those. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them I'm looking at now. Uh, one of them that jumps at me and is clearly relevant to adults as well as kids is sleep and screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I definitely have struggled with this uh, uh, and I've imposed my own limits on when and where I'll have the phone uh, around bedtime. But I wonder what you can tell people about what you've learned, what what mm-hmm. struggles you saw people experience or you yourself and your own family mm-hmm. and what suggestions you might have for people yeah. around sleep. Well, um, you know, first and foremost, for teenagers, the statistics around sleep is, is frankly, absolutely alarming. Um, just over the last 10 years, the percentage of teenagers 15 and over who get um, over, who are getting less than seven hours of sleep most nights is up to 50%. Mm. That is devastatingly taxing on their ability to self-regulate, their mood, their, um, and all, for all we know, their brain development. But again, with my background on mental health, that really, they're really at an increased risk of risky behavior of, um, difficult mood regulation. So that we know that kids are, are not getting enough sleep. What, what really shocks me is how uncomfortable parents are to enforcing that screens need to be out of the bedroom. Mm. And, I think that, you know, they, there's excuses like they need it for the uh, alarm clock or, or whatnot. You know, frankly, we have a hard time about, um, accepting feeling the uncomfortable feeling of seeing our kids when they uh, are unhappy about a decision that we're really enforcing. And I say to parents, I say two key things. Um, first and foremost, in the end, at the end of the day, we're not going to really know what we've done you know, right or wrong or whatnot. But we can know that we parented with integrity, mm-hmm. that we really feel strongly about something and we're going to explain why in a loving way and then really make it happen. It's exactly what we want our kids to do. So when my kids know that sleep is supreme and that I value it more than they're like having more time to study at night. I, you know, that we tech needs to go off and that they need to have learned how to get their work done before a certain time. I'm it's, it's absolutely worth the struggle at times. If if they're like, Oh, I want to be on it longer. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was at a friend's house and she has a 16 year old and he always sleeps with his cell phone. And he's like, well, you know, I don't really check it at night. It's not a problem. And I had a conversation. I said, tell me more, you know, tell me more. I just really listened. I validated it. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, it's interesting, the data that just having the phone in the room, um, overall, we see that kids get less sleep. I said, we're not, a, researchers aren't 100% sure why. It could be, I think, partly that they're kind of getting up earlier to quickly mm-hmm. check it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, um, that, you know, it's hard to say exactly, but it'll be different <laughs> for a different kid, <laughs> but boy, wouldn't it be interesting to not have that 
pulling at you. And he said, yeah, yeah. And my girlfriend said, oh, he's never going to change. And she called me the next week and said he is sleeping with his phone in the other room. Hmm. So, they, you know, change is possible. The right conversations, the right explanation. And I think um, I, I'm hoping that we have much more of a public health discussion around sleep and screens eventually um, than is happening right now. I can imagine that part of what's difficult about that and, and maybe many of these other topics is when we as adults don't have our own good habits, uh, probably hard to uh, help kids develop the mm -hmm. habits that we don't have. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing I think is really clear at the this concept of Tech Talk Tuesday, you know, having weekly short conversations is to to really where adults are using screen time um, for different reasons, for different times. So to talk about how that is different and how it's similar is, is really key. Absolutely. If you ask any room, which I do all the time, kids, you know, are your parents on screens too much? And they say yes. And are they mad that they feel like it's unfair, the different rules? They say yes. It's a great starting point. Like, let's talk about this. Let This is, you know, there's very few things in our lives that interconnect as much as this tech revolution. It's an incredible opportunity to have these thoughtful, engaged conversations. And so, yes, adults are going to use it differently. Yes, though, there are going to be things that adults are doing that they themselves don't find very effective. Maybe they do have the devices in their room and they are checking it through the night and realizing that they're probably not getting as sound sleep. So what I tell parents is to find one thing about tech that they wish that they were doing a little bit better. You know, maybe it's um, that they are checking it while they're in the car. Maybe they find that they binge watch a show and afterwards they feel, gosh, kind of unproductive and, and kind of a low mood. So they just they want to change that habit. When we identify one habit, again, as a physician, when we try to make changes, we want a clear goal and we want accountability so that when we tell our kids, this is what I'm going to try to do. Hey, I'm going to check in with you guys next week. We're teaching a life lesson that I think is going to be much stronger than just the concept of, oh, I need to model better because we're never going to um, this vague notion of model better. Mm -hmm. We need to define those things and then work to make those changes. So, for example, for me on, on Tuesday nights after dinner, which is happened to be Tech Talk Tuesday, <laughs> after dinner, I, my goal is to not go back on screens. And it's, it's actually, it's so challenging. It's been a wonderful, and I mess up at times. And I'm saying to Tessa, I'm on it right now, but I really, this, I have to do this. I'm traveling and I have to check this one thing, you know. But I say to her, I got to get better at trying to get all of that done before dinner. So that's, that's an example of, um, an anecdote to the modeling. It's not to say that modeling is not important, but I, I want to make sure we set parents up for success mm -hmm. as opposed to um, just a feeling like, forget it, I can't model because I need to do this for work and that. Absolutely. You know, there's something really interesting, Robert. I, I, I'm surprised by this, but two big surveys show that nearly 75% of parents say that they're modeling tech well. And it's a little disheartening because, you know, I don't, be, I don't believe it, <laughs> but I do believe that parents feel that way. And I, I believe they feel that way in large part because 
to feel like you're not doing parenting as well as you would like to is, is really uncomfortable for some people. They're not of a personality growth mindset. They're not so much on a journey to look at themselves and say, okay, I can get better. Instead, often, unfortunately, they're a little bit more shamed-based and a little bit more set in their ways because to question their ways then um, implies a little bit of um, less than. And that can be really scary for people who aren't really grounded in their self-worth. I think it's actually um, a really encouraging message. I hope people find that encouraging if they've been on the fence or maybe have given up in some way or felt discouraged from trying harder that, uh, you know, none of us are perfect. It doesn't mean not to keep trying and it doesn't mean that we can't actually do a lot of good for ourselves and and our kids. Uh, So this has really been great. I want to encourage everybody to go to screenagersmovie.com, both for information about the film, about the really large number of showings that are happening uh, on an ongoing basis around the world. And like I said, all of the different resources, both the Tech Talk Tuesdays and resources on all of these different topics related to screens and kids. So thanks so much, Delaney, for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Dr. Delaney Rustin, the physician and filmmaker behind the documentary film Screenagers Growing Up in the Digital Age. You can learn more about Screenagers and Dr. Rustin at screenagersmovie.com. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share the episode with your friends. Those and all other links are in the show notes. And check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with Aikido practitioner and teacher Wendy Palmer, who will talk to us about mindfulness in the martial arts.